0: the following program contains important but graphic material these topics are designed to foster discussion but may be objectionable to some listener discretion is advised welcome to exploited crimes against humanity this program is a training program on human trafficking sextortion social media exploitation, and child pornography based on actual cases. Our mission is to eradicate human exploitation and bring predators to justice. Now, here is the host of the program, Opal Singleton.
1: Well, hello and welcome to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. My name is Opal and I am your host. We are with Me and Kids. This show is brought to you by Me and Kids, that is... M I L L I O N, million kids. It's not one million kids and it's not a million kids, just simply million kids. And that is because more than a million kids are trafficked each year throughout the world. I'm actually talking about human trafficking here if you're not familiar with us. And the whole idea of this show is so that we can educate, provide free education completely around the world to as many people. As we can reach. So, we would ask you to share this show. This show is archived, by the way, and you can put this show, you can get an embed code and put this, and it's not hard. I know that sounds like a big word, but it isn't hard. Just contact me, there's no charge for it. And you can literally carry this show on your website so that, for instance, like if you're a church, or you're a missionary overseas somewhere. This show goes out to 170 countries. And by the way, I really, really want to thank those people in like Italy and um, and Germany that are listening, and the UK that are listening, and Canada, and also in Asia. I'm kind of blown away by the number of people that follow us in Asia. So. We really appreciate this. This show is archived at a website called www.exploitedcrimes.com. That's E-X-P-L-O. Let's see. How do you spell that? E-X-P-L-I-O-T-E-D. Exploitedcrimes.com. If you can't spell that, go to me and Facebook, and they will have it there for you. Well, folks, we have just an amazing guest today. I'm just tickled out of my mind that we have this young lady to join us. Uh, I met her the other day at USC, and I was just so totally impressed with her life story. And it's easier to tell the story now because she's lived past the pain of it. Uh, what an amazing journey this young lady has went on has been on. Uh, before I get into this, I want to tell you that you can call in to the show if you're in the US. And that call in number is one 866 472 5788 eight six six four seven two five seven eight eight. Now I know that most of you listen through the archive shows because you're in different time zones, but many of you I see here in the US and you can call in and and, uh, and talk with our guest. Our guest is Maria Suarez. Uh Maria's on the line with us here. Maria you want to say hello?
2: Good morning, everybody. Yes, hello. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maria and I are in different cities. If we're and we're not used to working with each other, so bear with us if we go back and forth there. But uh, I just wanted you to hear her story. Now, before we get into her story, the, one of the reasons we're doing this is that Maria has a foundation, and it is in Southern California. But she is looking for volunteers. She is looking to people to follow her, the same as you follow million kids and it's fine you can follow both of us there's plenty of room in the world what we're here for is to eradicate trafficking human trafficking labor trafficking sex trafficking so that's the reason we want you to hear her story is so that you might get involved and support support her organization also which is called the maria suarez foundation Uh, maria why don't you spell your last name for us
2: s-u-a-r-e-z
1: Suarez. Okay. Suarez. And you'll have to forgive me. I'm a gringo. I'm not only a gringo. I'm a blonde gringo, so I butcher all Spanish. <laughs> so bear with me. I do the best I can, but at least we want to have Maria on, okay? So, Maria, let's start from the very beginning, and you tell us your story of when you first came to the U.S., starting when you were 15.
2: Well, um, coming from a village, from a small village, um, Place where it's uh, probably less than 500 people, where you know everybody coming to this big city, and not even a month being in in uh, Los Angeles. Uh, Now, excuse uh, me,
1: let me interrupt you a minute, Maria. That was from Mexico, right?
2: Yes, I came from Mexico. Yes, from Mexico uh, to Los Angeles, which is uh, where my sister was living, and I was offered a job. The job consisted on cleaning and answering phones for this elderly couple, and it was this Hispanic woman who offered me the job. And believe it or not, at the age of 15, coming to this new country, I got very excited, but the funny part is that she told me not to tell my family about the job, which I was also wanting to keep it on secret, so I surprised them with the job, so, which so uh, Maria, mm-hmm.
1: let me let me interrupt here a second. Uh, what I want our listeners to hear, because this is an education program, this is the normal scenario for foreign national people coming into the U.S. And this will be true in Europe for your for your European refugees and like that. In fact, I did a whole show on this about three weeks ago. What is really amazing about this is almost always when a foreign national, it comes to another country and they're recruited. They are recruited by someone who speaks their language, usually from their own ethnicity, often from their own uh, country, sometimes even from their own state or town, and almost always another woman. And this is a a very typical scenario, which makes it easy to be entrapped because you're gonna trust a woman, you're gonna trust your own, you're gonna trust people that you identify with. And I I wanna make sure our listeners get that because people are listening from Mexico and South America. and, And this also happens for instance, Syrian refugees and uh, and uh, your your uh, Lebanese and, and uh, uh, Turkey refugees that are coming up through uh, Europe, almost always it's your own country. Now, I'm going to stop interrupting there, but I really want our listeners to make a note of that.
2: Correct. And you're totally right, because I did trust this lady. I thought she was being honest and real to me, so she... I I believe her, and I did not tell my family about this woman offering me a job. Time went by. This woman didn't show up. Uh, Then I I, I even thought that she forgot about what she had said to me. Later on, I don't remember exactly how, how many days she came back, and she says if I still want the job. And I eagerly said, yes, I want the job. So right away she tells me, let's go. We're going to go and meet your boss. I I didn't want to go because I want to let my family know, but she says, we're going to come back right away. And I trust her. Exactly. I did trust her because she speaks Spanish and because she seems to be older than me. And I thought, you know, as I said, I'm coming from this little village where you know everybody and you trust people. So I did win with her. When I went with her, we went and the ride took us like almost uh, 45 minutes or more to get to this house. And I met my trafficker. At that time, I didn't know he was my trafficker. I didn't know he was the one that was going to uh, destroy my whole life for many, many years. So he welcomed me. He shook my hand, and we went in. They went inside. I sat in the living room. I started nursing in the house and the windows and the doors. They has extra locks, extra pet locks, and security uh, uh, buttons on the doors, on the windows, and I felt this kind of a creepy feeling in my stomach, but I did not know why. I thought that was normal. However, they took for a while, they came back, and they um, were smiling, and I want to go home. When I, I, and I expressed to them that, uh, let's go back. I told the lady, I said, I want to go home. And they both looked at each other. They, uh, convinced me to stay there, but I didn't want to stay because no one knowing in my family knew that where I was. And I had already been in that place, almost, away from home, almost, uh, two to three hours. So I want to go back home. So when they convinced me, I said, well, I need to call my sister. That was the only thing I knew, my sister's phone number. I didn't speak any English. I didn't have no money. I didn't know how to go back. Wow. So then after that, I just... uh, he removed the lock from the phone. It was one of those old phones, rotary phones, and he removed the lock and for me to call. so I called my sister. Of course, my sister got very upset, and she started to asking me all kind of questions and uh, she wanted for me to come home, and I said, "But I found a job and uh, she asked me uh, these people's names, address, phone number. Um, All kind of questions, and I'm asking everything that she's telling me. I'm repeating, but this man is shaking his finger and telling me, "Tell her that you will go home tomorrow." That that tomorrow did not come back till after almost thirty years.
1: Wow, wow, that's just hard to believe. We are uh, starting up against a break, but go ahead. uh, We have about another minute here. Go ahead.
2: Okay so uh, at that at that time uh my sister uh was okay she says okay so uh you coming home tomorrow so that night he shows me the house and i noticed that around the house he has creepy stuff he has an altar with some weird stuff he, i noticed that he had some guns on top of that uh little tables he has some like uh machetes like objects like uh, I stick those long ones like what you use to move the wood (laughs) and the fireplace and all kind of things around the house but I just know I didn't know why so that that night the ironic thing is that the room that was more scary is where I slept I slept in the room where he had the altar with creepy stuff
1: Oh, wow. We're up against a break here, so I'm going to have to cut out for a second. But it's sounding like this man is deep into witchcraft. And when you marry spiritual things with with sexual exploitation, it really has an impact on an individual in ways that are very difficult to describe, as Maria will tell you starting right after the next break. Well, we are up against a break here, folks, so we ask you to stay with us. We'll be right back.
0: Opal Singleton, president of Million Kids, has written a powerful book for parents, educators, civic leaders, and first responders about how predators use social media, apps, chat rooms, video games, and the dark web to access, groom, recruit, and exploit young people. It is truly a must-read for every parent, grandparent, and teacher in America. Seduced, the grooming of America's teenagers, will help you understand how technology makes an innocent teen vulnerable to predators and how to talk to teens to keep them safe. Priced at $15.99 plus $4 shipping, Seduced can be ordered at millionkids.org. Share this with everyone you know.
2: You count. Tune into Interrevolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out.
1: well, hello, folks. Thanks for staying with us. We are talking today with Maria Suarez. She says her name much better than I do. And uh, she has a foundation, and we want to share about her life story in case any of you want to get involved, especially uh, if, you're, if you speak Spanish. We need a lot more Spanish volunteers, and uh, this would be a great resource for you to get involved. So Maria is telling us her story. Uh, up until now, what she's saying is she's been brought into Mexico from Mexico with her family, and then she has been tricked by another woman into uh, going into what she thinks is a legitimate job. This woman speaks Spanish. She she's from Mexico. It's very typical kind of thing. When she gets there, she finds herself locked into a house with this man who is deep into witchcraft and uh, is obviously a pedophile and abuser. And so, Maria, pick up from there and go on and tell us your story.
2: Okay, thank you. Uh, So, after that, after uh, even though he said he was going to take me home the next day, he didn't. It took him... Almost three days to, to, for him to tell me what was going on. I did not know what was going on. So one day, i was sitting, sitting on the couch. But remember, I cannot get out. The house is closed. Doors are locked, everything, and I'm in the house. I cannot call my sister. I cannot do anything. So I'm sitting on on, on the couch, and after I had uh, asked him in a very uh, harsh way, you know, I want to go home, take me home. He got mad, and then he went and locked himself in that little room where he has all his witchcraft. Later on, he comes out and, and stands by where I'm sitting in the couch and tell me that, that I was not going nowhere that he had bought me for two hundred wow. dollars and, and and he can do to me whatever he wanted because he wa I was his slave and um, at that moment, of course, I did not my I start crying, and and I, he wanted to touch me, and I start running in the house to make a long story short. this man we ran like an, like about close twenty to thirty minutes or more running inside of the house till he got tired. He get mad, and he wants uh, he tells me to get out on the side door. He put his arm over the door frame and tell me to get out. When I want to get out, I see his arm over the door, and I said, if I get out, he's going to catch me. Sure enough, I got brave. I ran out, and he did catch me. He uh, tore up everything that I have on my body, every piece of clothing that I owe on my body. He took it and ripped everything off and pushed me outside of the house with nothing on my body, and I see the cars going by, so... I wanted to to get my clothes, and he closed the door. He tells me, looking at the little window that the door had and smiling at me because I was crying and begging him for my clothes. And finally he opened the door and he asked me, what do I want, and I said, I just want my clothes. He dropped my clothes and then he says, he I don't know if he pushed me or punched me. I don't know what he did but I just remember waking up by the table on on the shower close to the shower with a big old gash on my head and he had raped me. At that oh moment he told me at that moment he told me that I better not tell no one that he was a witch, that he knew where my family lives and uh, that he will kill them. The police cannot do nothing because they know him, and and he is a witch, and they they actually uh, do what he tell them to do. And my fear and there, I just I just thought that my life was over. So yeah. I I spent almost six years in that torture.
1: Oh my God! Uh,
2: getting any. Every abuse that you can imagine, everything that you can think, he abused me emotionally, physically, sexual, and and spiritual, because every night during that time, he used to wake me up with things on my face, like putting water and telling me that I was never going to leave the house. And if I leave the house, it was going to be in a pine box. And wow. all kind of things. I, he, I'm he, alive today because God is real. But at that moment, and so many times, I was so close to be killed by this man.
1: Yeah, you with know, gun, I... I with I, I, I'm just yeah. going to take a break here and let you take a breath. Uh, one of the things that I want to point out here to our listeners is that I see this over and over in many different uh, scenarios that when the, when the predator, when, they, when the violator uh, combines religion and invokes God and higher power and justifies abusive, exploitive action, the road to recovery is much deeper because it you know it it's combining a spiritual element and you know you you there must be a i have never experienced this maria so i i am completely incapable of understanding the depth of what you say i can only maybe process the knowledge of it and the and the insight based on all the research I've done, but I can truly appreciate that when there is a spiritual element added to exploitation, the road to recovery is just so much more challenging.
2: Yes, it is. It has been.
1: Yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to give you a chance there, too, to take a breath, and and uh, we can continue on now if you're okay. Yeah, I'm okay. So
2: that abuse, like I said, it went over uh five years almost six years of that uh, getting that type of uh abuse so then after that, my trafficker got killed when he got killed um, I remember early in the morning, I hear this scream he screamed my name and I. Uh, I ran out of the house because I was every time that he scream or call my name, I need to be there, right away. Otherwise, I get beat up. So I ran outside and I, I saw his body on the ground. The young man, though he had rented uh, his garage turned into apartment, he rented to this young couple, and he like. He started to uh, pursue the young girl, and he liked her, or he just was wanting to be evil. I don't know. So he used to go into their place and and do things and do his witchcraft and manipulate them and uh, do so many things that this guy got mad, and one day in the morning, he killed him. Wow. And when he now killed this- him, and... Mm-hmm.
1: This is in the backyard? Is that how this is?
2: Yes, in the uh-huh. backyard. Between the their little apartment and his house. So uh-huh. this, I, I saw him on the ground. And, of course, at the moment I went into a shock. And and this guy gave me the piece of wood that he used to kill him. And mm-hmm. he told me to put it under the, the house, which I did. I did grab the piece of wood that he used to kill this man, and I put it under the house. Mm-hmm. And later on, um, this guy got arrested, and he said that he gave me the piece of wood, and I put it under the house. So police called my family and told them to bring me to the uh, police station. They want to ask me some questions. So when they asked me, I told them, yes, I put it under the house. So, so I went we- and I...
1: Hmm? Were you freed at that time uh, when he died then then you were able to get back to your family?
2: My, I was able to go back to my uh, family, my family I don't know who contact them but mm-hmm. uh, my, during those during that time that I was there my family reported me reported the issue to the police and the police told my family that I was okay that if I don't say or do nothing, it's because I'm okay. So my family had so many calls to the police, the police from Asusa, the police from Sierra Madre, and no one did anything.
1: So you they all thought that you were there willingly? Is that the deal?
2: I guess that's what they thought, but
1: mm-hmm.
2: no one did anything. And I do mm-hmm. remember the police coming to the house and asking me if I was okay, and the... My trafficker was a few uh, a few uh uh feet from me inside of the house, so mm-hmm. i couldn't say anything Mhm that happens so it was it was not that my family forgot about me and they didn't do anything. My family did everything everything that mm-hmm. that was one of the reasons that um probably my family was there when uh, this happened, so I went with my sister. She took me, but I was not emotionally stable because I don't remember things, and and I still barely, um, kind of remembering certain things due to that I went into a shock when I saw this man on the ground. However, I got. Mm-hmm.
1: You probably have PTSD after years of abuse like that. It, you know, you don't you don't think rational. You, you just can't because you have years of abuse and and nothing is clear.
2: Correct, correct. So I, I came to the police, gave him the, gave them the piece of wood, and I, that day I was arrested. Wow. So they wow. arrested me.
1: So okay. I Okay, from- we're coming up against a break here in about uh, 30 seconds here. But uh, this is, uh, you know, this is just, I just admire you so much for being able to tell your story and being willing to tell the story. And I really hope this show goes out, especially to people in foreign countries, to understand just what, a prisoner, uh, a sex slave, a prisoner uh, of life is really about because the rest of us say, how could this possibly happen? Well, we see stories like this on a regular basis. But to have someone who's willing to tell their story that lived through it, you know, you are just my hero, Maria. And I mean that absolutely seriously. We are up against a break here. We're going to take a couple of minutes out here so they can uh, support this show with commercial break. And we will be right back.
0: educators, civic leaders, and first responders about how predators use social media, apps, chat rooms, video games, and the dark web to access, groom, recruit, and exploit young people. It is truly a must-read for every parent, grandparent, and teacher in America. Seduced, the grooming of America's teenagers will help you understand how technology makes an innocent teen vulnerable to predators and how to talk to teens to keep them safe. Priced at fifteen ninety-nine dollars plus $4 shipping, Seduced, can be ordered at millionkids.org. Share this with everyone you know. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips is an insider's glimpse at a life from a psychological perspective. It's a look at what matters to us. Why do we laugh? How do we cope with stress? Are men and women really that different? What is it about our relationships? How are they formed? How they work out? And why they sometimes don't? Every week is something new to engage you. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll turn up your perspective on life.
3: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com
1: well, hello and welcome back to Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. If you want to call in here in the United States, it's 1-866-472-5788. If at any time you want to make comments or thoughts on this, you can go, of course, to Me and Kids and find Facebook and uh, like Me and Kids and and make comments about this show. Or you can email me at opal, that is O-P-A-L, at MeandKids.org, M-I-L-L-I-O-N, opal at MeandKids.org. Now, before we go back into Maria's story, the purpose of her sharing this story is to have you get involved with her foundation Contact her, maybe volunteer with her, maybe support her financially, whatever you're comfortable with. So before we get back into your story, Maria, tell us how they can contact you by email and also how they can find your Facebook and your website.
2: Okay, they can contact me at Maria Suarez, mariasuarez.org or mariasuarez.mariasuarez.org, Maria Suarez Foundation.
1: Okay, and then you have a Facebook page I can follow too, right?
2: Yes, Uh, you can find my Facebook on um, Maria Suarez Foundation.
1: Okay, so you just go on to Facebook. Okay, you just go on to Facebook, find Maria Suarez Foundation, hit like, and you will be following her. So, okay, Uh, your captor has now been murdered, and uh, the police are now starting to... uh, Uh, look at you as the primary suspect. Yes.
2: So I got arrested. I was, I spent a year fighting my case, which I didn't understand any word of English. I didn't know my rights. Uh, I spent so many years blaming myself for everything. I thought it was my fault, what I being caused. And I just felt that it was my fault, you know, feeling guilty. I never thought or saw myself as, it was not my fault, I'm a victim of human trafficking. Actually, I was caught up into this. I never saw myself like that. So I spent many, many years feeling that way.
1: Yeah, so, I want to I comment here to our listeners, that is normally the way it is. That is, almost 100% of the time, the exploiter is really good at blaming the victim, and the victim then blames himself, and that, that, that keeps them entrapped because they don't believe anybody's going to believe them, and besides, they believe they caused their own pain. So, that is right. common. Yeah. Very good. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, so that year that I spent... Uh, in jail my attorney was not have no experience in law or fighting this type of uh, criminal cases i was his first case and not only that he was this bar he had been caught using and selling drugs so he didn't have a bar to fight my case but he used one of his friends wow. who was a immigration attorney who let him use his bar number to fight my case. And um, so that was my defense. He did not know how to defend me. So I ended up being sentenced with 25 years to life and sent to prison. So wow. I, I went to, to prison to serve uh, my time. I did 22 years and a half in prison. And but during those, the time that I was there, I used my time to benefit myself, I start going to school. I learn English. I went to college. I work in everything. I utilize everything that I learned in school, like working with people, working with doctors. And I think that was my payback. I was able to rebuild myself. So after 22 years and a half in prison, I was released, but then I faced another deportation, which is INS. INS uh, took my residence away from me because of the crime. And now I'm I'm facing deportation. Let me interrupt uh, there
1: a minute. Maria, let me interrupt (laughs) there. We've just covered 22 years in prison, like in three minutes. And uh, I think the average listener here cannot even imagine all that that must be like to have been so violated. And they'd be falsely accused and then spend 22 years incarcerated of your life, you know, and yet you used it for good. You decided to overcome, I'm sure there must have been many times of self-pity, many times of self-blaming and like that. And yet you turned that around and decided that you were going to make something good of your life. I just uh, in fact, you became a marathon runner in prison. isn't that correct? Yes, yes.
2: I run and um, when I was in prison, I used to uh, fundraising money for kids, you know, for the outside kids. and I used to do that because kids, are my passion, and I, I was a teenager, but I think we need to start at a young age educating kids and helping kids and showing them the beauty of life, not this uh, atrocity that I, that I went through, you know, not to let them go through all of that pain. They don't deserve, kids and teenagers don't deserve to be destroyed, I think that's our future, and that's why I do what I do, which is my foundation helping kids to be better, to build a better future for them, and it's, that's our generation.
1: That is just amazing to me that you, you went through this, you were falsely accused, and 22 years, I mean, I can't even remember, if I think back over the last 22 years of my life, you know, all the all the things that's happened, but to be violated and then spend 22 years and then they threaten to deport you. It, it must have been an unbelievable emotional roller coaster.
2: It was, but you know what? It's been different stages in my life. When I was going through that pain, with my trafficker I thought God had forgotten me I got over and I was able to reconnect myself with my high power and to be that person that I wanted to be what my my parents taught me to love others and then when I was an INS again I said okay I'm in your hands And he has been carrying me all these years, and I feel very blessed because today I don't have the hate. I don't have the bitterness. I have love, and I have hope, and I want to help others because that is what is in my heart. And I want to tell you this. I do this work because it's in my heart. It's not for what I'm gaining out of this. I want a better future, and I want Mm -hmm. to do better for others to make a better world.
1: We need to um, somehow, I mean, your message is a solid message for everyone out there. But we especially need to help those people who are foreign nationals because they are so vulnerable, regardless of where they're from, whether it's Mexico, Guatemala, Honduras, Nico- I can't say that word, Nicaragua. Nicaragua. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> or Honduras. People laugh at me. I'm used to it. <laughs> anyway, Anyway, uh, but, you know. These people are such fine people, but they're so vulnerable when they get here oftentimes. And uh, and I see these cases. Now, only one-fourth of the cases in the U.S. are foreign national cases. However, having said that, the abuse for a foreign national is just unbelievably uh, vile. And, uh, and and difficult, and it is so easy for them to live in the shadow and not come forward because they're afraid that they won't be believed. And I, I think that that is a mission that you can have uh, that, will, that will tell a story in ways nobody else can tell it. Well, I,
2: I guess um, day by day, I work into becoming a better person myself, but my main thing and my focus is never detach myself from reality. Never detach myself that I was there and now I'm out here, but I still have that pain. So that helps me to build the strength and to do
1: better every day for other people. Wow. Now, while we're talking about uh, one of the things that you did to help kids is run a marathon, didn't I hear you say you ran one for 34 miles?
2: Yeah, I, I ran 34 miles at this marathon. It was as many miles you run, it's more money you co- you collect. So I gave all my strength <laughs> and I ran 34 miles. <laughs>
1: I'm not sure I can drive 34 miles without taking a break let alone run one. <laughs> that is absolutely crazy. That, that yeah. is crazy. So we're going to pick up, uh, we're coming up against a break here in another couple of minutes. And uh, this show is brought to you by me and kids, M-I-L-L-I-O-N, meandkids.org. And uh, you can always reach me at opal at meandkids.org. Um, and you can archive this show. This show is archived. If you go to explore crimescom Go into this and you will see that we have 35 hours minimum of shows just like this that you can access, put on your iPod, your iPad, you know, iTunes. You can share it with all your friends. You can archive it on your own website. I'm hoping that, that Maria will want to archive this one on her website so that it can be kept for a year at least and shared with other people and we hope that you will do that whether you're in Spain whether in the UK whether you're you know in the in the, even the Middle East and in Asia South America especially please share this show with everyone that you know you can uh, get that archive show and keep it on your own and you can also get it at the Maria Suarez Foundation because we're going to send it to her well we are up against our break again at the In this last segment, we're going to talk about when she faces deportation and how she came out on the other side. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
0: Crimes Against Humanity. Here again is Opal Singleton.
1: Well, hello and welcome back to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. And we have an amazing guest today. And this story is just so fascinating. Her name is Maria Suarez. only she'll say it really like it is. But Maria, come on back now. You you uh, have gotten out of prison, but now you're facing deportation. So pick it up from there. We only have about uh, 14 minutes, uh, probably less than that in this segment. So tell us everything you want us to know about how this how this ends and what your foundation does
2: okay well the protection i I, I was very blessed I some uh, pro bono attorneys got involved in my case and I was very lucky and they were able to keep me in this country in the United States by receiving a T-Visa. I was one of the first ones who obtained it, a T-Visa, which is for human trafficking victims. Wow. And that was on May 25, 2004, when I was released from um, immigration. And from there, when I got out, I work on myself. I've been doing, uh, trying to build myself back and to do my foundation, and now I have my foundation, and uh, it's to prevent and make awareness of the human trafficking and let people know that this crime exists. And uh-huh. a lot of times people think that when they said on the news, we got so-and-so and it's behind bars, and they think, oh, okay, well, we're safe. No, we're not safe. We continue having this problem because human trafficking is like a monster with so many heads right. that you think you cut one and you over no, the other heads are continue working. And a lot of times, the one that it's behind bars, you think that it's behind bars is is not doing nothing. From behind bars, that person is directing and doing all all the business. And that's why we say we need to keep this work going. We need to keep our uh, awareness of what is happening and not to think that won't happen to me. Mm-hmm. We need to know that uh, human trafficking does not discriminate color,
1: race, that's right. age. At
2: that and I. It, I, I, I
1: yeah, I want to jump in there. So many people think, you know, a particular ethnicity, uh, they think, well, we're the most violated, uh, you know, African-Americans think they are, or Asians think they are, Latinos think they are, and quite frankly, these people sell a 500-pound purple elephant. They don't care what color you are. Uh, they, it's about exploiting another human being for dominance, for power, and financial gain, and, and personal uh, control. So you are you are just so right. Each one is violated, Each ethnicity is violated maybe a little bit differently, but it's equal and there is no respecter of persons in this crime. Correct.
2: And we always keep need to keep in mind that we humans we don't have no price. We worth so much that two hundred dollars is not enough for no one. Two hundred dollars they pay for me. And it's being something that I think about it every single day. and I said, "How in this world can human being uh, put price in another human being? How can that happen? We're we precious. We don't have no price. No one can buy us. And that's why we need to keep on working to stop this ignorance on people of, of misusing human beings using us like an item, like a something that okay, now we not good, we throw away. We're disposable. After they finish using us it's like a we're not good. That's not like that. We need to have the the beauty of a human being back. That we need to give the insanity the I don't know but it's just something that it makes me so angry every time that I think about how other human being can put price on another human being and use it like an item, like an object, like not worth it. And we all worth it. We all precious.
1: Well and this is I mean the truth is it's absolutely evil personified and uh, it it is there is in my opinion, the reason why I do the work that I do is that when you see these people uh being violated, it isn't like uh the victims ever set out to do something particularly and and then they have to pay the price uh, in case after case after case, I have yet to meet a victim that understood what was about to happen to them. And that is the sad part about this is, and, and a lot, and once they make that decision, one, one bad decision will change a life forever. And, and, The insidious nature of this is that these predators will make you believe that it's your fault. The thing of it is, is that we need to report this. We need to unite, we need to share with each other, we need to find ways to get it reported. I know in our own task force right here in Riverside County, and I have not mentioned that, we are connected to the Riverside County Anti-Human Trafficking Task Force. By we, I mean Million kids. We actually have two females on our task force, undercover females that come from, uh, that are Mexican and speak Spanish. And we give priority to those kinds of cases in order to be able to protect people. And there has been a huge amount of education done in law enforcement at this point to begin to understand that whether you're an American, whether you're a foreign national, whether you speak English, whether you're from this country, whether or not. Not, that, that you are, in fact, a victim, and we really want to make an effort. Our entire grant for the task force, by the way, is based on how many victims we help. And so it is important that we get the word out there that these cases be reported, that we get assistance, psychological assistance to the victims, because there is no way you're going to recover on your own it is just too deep a violation and in this and oftentimes it starts like in Maria's case where you're only like 15 or 16 and so this is a lifetime journey of recovery and you need help so i will tell you that if you know of someone who is being trafficked out there we would encourage you to report it to the to the national hotline here in the us at 1 1- 888-3737-888 1-888-3737-888 If you're in a foreign country and you don't know how to report, email me. I'll get it to our hotline and we can get you how to report in your country. We have about three and a half minutes. No, we have about two and a half minutes left. Maria, remind the people how to contact you, how to get involved, and and uh, remind them about your foundation.
2: Well, but before, I don't know if I have time, That I want to tell them that what I want is my goals are to establish a youth empowerment program which will educate students and to learn about the issue of modern-day slavery and to empower them to create projects and campaign to the uh, schools. And MSF will help them to become a leader's with practical ways to make a difference in the community, but to contact me, MSF is an organization that believes in investigating the next generation for social and change leaders. And also, I want for them that uh, MSF is it's helping.
1: So MSF is the Maria Suarez Foundation. To
2: contact us is Mm -hmm. to Maria Suarez Foundation Mm -hmm. on Facebook. And if they want to look at my website, I invite everybody to to see my website, which is
1: mariasuarez.org. Okay, so you can volunteer. You can donate. You can always donate to Maria and her foundation. We would love that. By the way, you can always support this show by donating to meandkids.org. But, uh, but this week, we really want you, in, and especially if you identify with her story, we're asking you to get involved, support her, raise your hand, come forward. Even if you're in a foreign country, contact her and let us know. Maria, we're down to the last few seconds, so I want to say thank you. Thank you so much for sharing sharing your story. Thank you for the work that you do. Thank you for your good heart, your generous spirit, and for caring about young people. We so much appreciate you coming on. Well, folks, we're closing out this show. Be sure and share this with everybody that you know, and we will see you next week. Have a great week, folks.
0: Thank you for tuning in this week to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Please join your host, Opal Singleton, for another edition next Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll have another important discussion next week.